Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Sherm in the Booth. Ooh, ooh. My name is Sherm. You guys are some true Chicagoans for coming out in January. It's snowing outside, it's freezing, and you're at the f***ing club at 1 a.m. Boys with the bass, yeah, boys, boys, bass. Who am I talking to right now? You're famous. <laughs> free food, free drinks, music. Girls, let's go. Do you like it? Cool. If you don't, goodbye. <laughs> I'm missing the most important part. Boys in the face, yes. We should throw like a crazy like bar mitzvah party. This, this is crazy. Send me stems. I finished it. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? How is everyone doing? Just wait, you know it kicks in like three to five seconds afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, yo, what's up everybody and welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm, and today is Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 200, and wow, am I so excited to share this one with you. Before we get started, I do just want to say thank you so much to everybody that has supported me along the way. Whether you started listening at episode 1, 100, or if this is your first episode, thank you from the bottom of my heart because I wouldn't be here without you. Now, if you guys remember, in episode 100, I actually brought on someone to interview me, and he went by the name of Ramon. And you know what? I just had to bring him back to help us through episode 200. Ramon, of course, came very prepared and did a great job collecting all the questions from Instagram for my fans who wanted to know more about me, my podcast, my music, branding, A&R, a little bit of everything. There were some incredible questions that I was so excited to answer for you guys. So without further ado, let's get into it right now. And again, episode 200, baby. I feel so good about this. I'm very proud of what I've been building. And I just want you guys to know we're barely getting started. This is going to be a huge year. So thank you again for all your support. Let's do it right now. This is episode 200 with Sherm. Ladies and gentlemen, wow, what a moment this is for me, for you. And most importantly, Sherm. This is episode 200 of Sherm the Booth. Two, zero, zero. Now, you may not know who I am, but trust me, you might. My name is Romo. And if you're a long-time Sherm in the Booth listener, you might recognize me from episode 100, where I interviewed Sherm, and we got his full story. But this is episode 200. 200! 100 episodes later. Unbelievable. Now, at this point, you are definitely wondering, what is that accent? Huh? Is it a little Cubano? Hmm? Maybe a little Tejas, right? South of the border? We're not sure. Maybe a little Russian here and there. But listen, that's the thing about Ramon. And that's why Sherm asked me to come here again today. Because I am everywhere. And I love Sherm. I love Sherman the Booth. I am the number one fan. And it is an honor here today to ask him questions once again. So, without further ado, Sherm, come on in, my man. Come on in. We've got to celebrate today. All right, Ramon. Look who it is. Wow. Episode 200. God, I'm so glad you're here, man. You look fantastic. How are you? 
are doing fantastic. Thank you so much for asking. Is that a new outfit? Ramon, do you have a new one on right now? Tell me the truth. Yes, 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 yes. I uh, got a new watch, a new shirt, and uh, new shoes, pants, underwear. I started wearing underwear. I did, I did. You know how hard it gets where I'm from. Yeah, Ramon, hold on, hold on a sec. Where are you from, by the way? Well, yeah, I know, I know. I'm not really sure where I'm from either, but hey, that's a that's another story. Another time, sure me. Don't you go turn this around on me. You are being interviewed today. You got me? I got you, Ramon. I'm down. What do you got for me today, my man? Okay. I don't mean to be too serious, but let's take a moment. Cheers. Hey, cheers, Ramon. I appreciate you taking the time to come back on. It's great to see you, and uh, thanks for everybody who's tuning in right now. It's a very special episode for me. 200 episodes! Huh? Amazing. Amazing. You should be so proud of yourself. We have some amazing questions today from some of your fans. But since I am interviewing you today, yeah, it's my job to kick it off with a special question. Okay, let's hear it. And I know you always do this. Every interview. I don't know how you do it. Always these great questions at the beginning. But here we go. You ready? I'm ready. 200 episodes in. You've interviewed well over 150 different people. Yes. DJs, producers. Artists, managers, promoters, venue owners, entrepreneurs, and more. You've learned so much about other people. But today, we want to know, what have you learned about yourself? Great question, Ramon. And, uh, you know, you stole a page out of my book there, but I'm not going to call you out for that. Because it actually is a good icebreaker, isn't it? Yes. Anyway, okay, whatever. Yeah, 150 guests at least, probably north of that. What have I learned about myself, though? You know, through interviewing other people, I've learned so much about them. You're absolutely correct. One of the things I try and do is ask them questions they've never been asked before. And through that, I actually end up asking myself the question, either in the research process or really listening to the guest. And that really is what I've learned, to listen. Now, I've always been a bit of talker, a bit of a talker my whole life, and I think that's probably pretty obvious to anybody that meets me, but... Um, one thing that I've really, really learned about myself is I do love to listen. Um, and that's been one of the most eye-opening things about the podcast for me is I don't have to talk to make an impact or to learn or to better myself, right? So when I ask these deep questions, like I said, questions that these guests have never been asked before, I'm looking through their eyes, through their perspectives. So it's something I've learned about myself that it's so important to listen to people, um, because inevitably you're going to learn more about yourself because by gaining more perspective on people's perspectives of the world, uh, and particularly in the music industry, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. So I would say that's probably what I've learned most is it's so important to listen. Wow. Truly amazing. Did you guys write that down? Did you? Because this man has done so much for others. <laughs> and look what he's learned about himself. Amazing. Once again, cheers. Hey, Ramon, can I stop you really quick? Your hair looks amazing. Yes, yes. You notice my hair? I mean, what do you got in there? Is it natural? It might be natural knowing you, huh? Gosh, you sexy devil. Right, I know. I gelled it, huh? Very jelly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely gel. I was trying to be nice. Very jelly. 
But I had to look good. This is episode 200. I'm on camera. And hey, can we just take a second to say, wow, this is a big upgrade. I mean, last time we were literally sitting in your kitchen. Now we're in the living room. <laughs> I call that a step up. We've got cameras, lights, microphones, iPad. That's a big step up. Last time you gave me a printed sheet of paper, black and white. Now we have whiskey and rocks. Huh? Life's never been better, Sherm. So kudos to you on the studio upgrade, huh? Thanks, Ramon. Yes, yes. Excellent. What do you got next for me, my man? You've covered this a few times over the years, and it comes up quite often on the podcast. Sure. But for those that don't know, tell us the story of Sherman the Booth. Huh? Oh, yeah. As short or as long as you decide. Hey, you're the podcaster, right? You know how to sum it up, as they say in America. Sum it up as they say in it. Are you, Ramon, you're not even from America. Yeah, I am from America. Yes. I, well, okay. All right. Enough, enough, enough. Okay. Why did you start the podcast, Sherm? Tell us, man, because we want to know. A great question. And we'll back it up a little bit. And I promise I won't make this story too long because it's pretty simple when it comes down to it. I went to college at Indiana University. You ever heard of it, Ramon? Mm -hmm. What happened was I went to college for telecommunications. That was my major. I had to focus on media and design and production. I was shooting short films. I was writing scripts. Um, I was doing video editing. A little bit of anything in that field. And I really enjoyed it. I honestly thought I was going to make movies, short films, television, whatever, act. I didn't even know. I just wanted to be involved. What I came to realize was there's a whole other world out there that hasn't even been tapped in the media and the media landscape. And that was podcasting. Now, podcasting is a relatively young industry. I think it's only about 20 years old. And in the grand scheme of things, that's so minute compared to the music industry, compared to the event industry, compared to basically any big business. Interesting. Yeah, so I was really intrigued because although there are millions of podcasts out there, at the same time, there's not a lot of a competition um, because it's only you, right? I'm not competing against somebody for a championship or something like that, right? Just to draw a parallel to sports. So when I moved to Chicago, um, I obviously was trying to get involved in the music industry and I had success as a DJ in college, but it's a hell of a lot different than when you come to Chicago, right? It's like getting fucking line, buddy. So I was in line and I thought to myself, damn, I am having serious troubles meeting people. Um, I, I feel like I can't really like do my thing in the club, like by myself, like introducing myself to people. Like that's really difficult. I think we've all probably struggled with that. Whether you're actually just trying to be known or talk to a male or female or wh whatever, right? It's just like a tough space. And that's where I wanted to DJ. So I thought to myself, damn, I've wanted to do a podcast for a while. I'm not 100% sure what I want it to be about. But what if I just started interviewing people in the music industry, you know, just as a chance to actually meet them and get to know them and offer them something instead of me trying to get something from them, right? Like a gig or a connection, whatever it is. So that's why I started it. And I gave you the background because I had a lot of experience in actually putting together podcasts, right? Like editing actual audio files um, in Final Cut Pro. And I had experience in Logic and GarageBand and stuff like that. So it was pretty quick for me to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. um, and it was amazing for me. And here I am now. Obviously, the podcast has changed so much over the years. But that was why I started Sherman the Booth. I really wanted to make genuine connections with people. And one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations or smaller group private conversations is really um, is really my bread and butter. It's, it's when you can get to know people the best. And um, like I said earlier, it's really when you can just gain perspectives on people's perspectives of life. So, wow. That was the main reason for starting Sherman the Booth.
Well, Sherm, I can tell you this. We sure are glad you started Sherman the Booth. Me too, Ramon. Cheers, my man. Hey, Ramon, is that a new pair of sunglasses? Yes, new pair, new pair. I'm trying them all on, seeing what looks best for the camera. Huh? Okay. Let's see what the audience thinks. No? Yes. This is my good side. This is my good side. Yes, thank you. Okay, what's next, Ramon? I'm sitting here today. I can tell this didn't happen in five minutes, right? Right? Right. A lot longer, I'd say. 45 to one hour or two set up? Yeah. Yes. Let's get into that, huh? Okay. What is your process, door to door, from asking guests to come on the show to releasing an episode? And let's do both remote and in-person, if you can, Sean. We'd love to know the backstory of how you get an episode from one to 100. Great question, Ramon, and I'm definitely happy to explain this to anybody um, because it's now a well-oiled machine. It didn't used to be. It was pretty freaking creaky and very difficult and time-consuming. Not to say that the episodes don't take me a long time to put together, but I have a very linear process and I know what I have to do. So let's say I identify a guest, right? I try and give myself as much lead time for questions as I possibly can because I really like to do my research. That's super, super important to me. So depending on the guest, depending how big of a discography they have, depending on how long they've been in the game, whatever it might be, I like to give myself at least a month heads up if I can. Okay. Um, and I'll back it up too. When it comes to identifying a guest, there are lots of different ways I go about this. It's my own podcast. So hmm. I want to talk to people with music that I like. I want to talk to people that I believe are making an impact in the industry. I want to talk to people that I believe are uh, someone that the world needs to know, whatever it might be. So how I find those guests a lot of time at this point, been in the game for about seven years. Um, I'd like to think I have a pretty good finger on the pulse. Um, I've seen a lot of artists blow up over the years. So they've been able to help me make connections um, one of the unique things that I do that uh, I'll share with people, and this is a great way to make connections, you go to their Instagram page and you see who they're following. And right at the very top, it'll tell you people that um, you're following. And it is just an amazing feeling for me sometimes when I go to an artist that, um, you know, is, is what I would consider to be out of reach, right? And I go to, let's just say Sid, for example. Um, I go to Sid's page, right? And I'm like, all right, you know, who do I know that Sid might know where it might be like, okay, like this guy has a podcast. Um, he's had this person on before, right? I go to see who Sid's following. He's following, you know, 10 people that I've had on the past, a few of them personal friends, stuff like that, right? If I feel like it's hard to get a hold of them, which a lot of these bigger guests are, then I will ask for a warm intro via Instagram or if I can see if I can get an email. Um, and I say, hey, I've had these people on the show before. I'd love to get your full story, so on and so forth. Let me know if you're interested, and I'll send you an email with some available dates. And so that's my whole process for landing a guest, you could say. And that's something that a lot of people ask me about, too. Um, there's lots of different ways I go about it, too. A lot of times they come in person, and it's so much fun for me as well because, like I said, my favorite uh, part of the podcast is interacting with people one-on-one -on -one outside of the club. I love it. Next up, do my research process. Um, that is um, one of the most interesting parts to me because it's where I really start to think about the questions that I'm going to ask. And I don't ask the same questions every single time. Sure, we run through people's discography and I ask them about, you know, in general, how they made the song, how did it come together, right? But what I'm really doing is taking it a step deeper. 
I listen to goddamn every motherfucking song if it's a producer that they've released, and I like to bring it out of them. Hey, your first release that I could find, SoundCloud, eight years ago. This edit of this track, wow, how about that, right? It is so much fun for them to be, for me to see them be like, holy shit, I forgot about that track, right? So that's so much fun for me, and that goes into the, the discography research process, I call it. When it comes to asking unique questions, um, I kind of recycle variations of questions that I've asked. Um, you know, certain things like state of the music industry, if it's an artist, um, have they changed the way they produce to try and align with social media trends? If it's a producer who switched genres over the years, why did they do that? Um, so now I'm, I've, I'm at the interview, right? I am having the interview and I'm having a blast. And a lot of times too, I don't ask all these questions, but the fact that I did that research before gives me kind of like that edge as an interviewer where it might just come out of me. I might totally forget about something that I've read. And man, that's just like one of the best parts about life to me is somebody else saying something to you that ignites a part in your brain that you didn't remember or didn't even know was there. Um, and, and baby, that's inspiration. So we do the interview. I've got all my content. If it's an in-person interview, like you wanted to know, Ramon, I will send all of that raw uh, video and uh, I will process the audio to make it high quality. And I'll send it to my video editor, Suzette. Uh, I usually give Suzette about five to seven lead, days lead time, although I will say she has gotten a lot shorter than that and has pulled it off. You know you have, Suzette. Um, and I will go through and I'll tell her, hey, here's the clip that I want to use for Monday. Here's a clip I want to use for Wednesday and my second reel or whatever it is, right? Sometimes I have more than that. Um, she'll put it all together for me. I will edit the podcast. I will insert the songs. Um, there's even layers that go deeper there, but I'm not even going to go into that because it's not that interesting. I will release the episode. I will put it out on all the platforms to listen to. Um, my RSS feed goes through SoundCloud. A lot of people have asked me that. Um, I do not use Anchor because I've been doing it longer than Spotify <laughs> had that service. And um, yeah, release the episode and, and it's out on everything. Wow. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the process. That's a lot of work. It's, it's a lot. I would say like door to door how long it takes me. If it's a two hour interview, um, including the research and including setting everything and exporting and processing, probably about five to six hours. Yeah, so it can take me a while, but um, it's all worth it to me. So good question, Ramon. And if anybody has questions about that process, if you're starting a podcast or even have questions about audio engineering, whatever it might be, let me know. I'm happy to answer those sort of things. Shut them once again. I just want to say. For those that don't know, huh? a lot goes on behind the scenes. It just doesn't appear. Sherman the Boot doesn't just happen, right? It does. A lot that goes into it. Right. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, again, I was here for episode 100. You were? Now, 200? I can taste the difference. It's quality. Michelin star. Nice. Michelin star quality. Okay. Cheers. Another cheers. Thanks, Ramon. So, Sherman. Chicago, huh? Is that a siren? There's a lot of sirens. Is this up and open? Yes? During interviews? Yeah. Jeez. You live where? Downtown. The Loop? Yeah. Downtown? Goodness. Yes. Crash.
Get out of here, man. I can't even think. Okay. Besides the point, huh? Besides the point. Chirp, you're one of those people, huh? Not hard to get to know. Like me. Like sure. Ramon. I can get along with anybody. Or I'd like to think so. Hmm? Chirp, we want to know a little more about you, though, huh? You are an L.A. board. Lo handle. Indiana Rates. Crossroads of America. And now, Chicago local. Home of the Chicago hot dog. Mm. You are also a DJ, a producer, a podcast host, huh? Like me, at least right now. <laughs> Artist manager, A and R. Ooh, good role. And event curator. Must be a busy guy, I think, huh? Can you break down each of these and tell us a little bit more about how each game will be, what you're doing now, and of course, your plans for the future? And as they say in the podcast world, Sum it up however you see fit. Good question again, Ramon. You're on fire right now, I got to tell you. So, yeah, I, I do a lot of things. Um, DJ, producer, podcast host, A&R, artist manager, event curator. Um, you know, how they really all came to be past, present, and future is just building off each other. Started as a DJ. Um, really loved it. Uh, I was a fan first, obviously, like any other DJ. Yes. And I wanted to do my own mixes. I wanted to make my own mashups. I wanted to play these big sets uh, because I just was so inspired by um, live live energy. Uh, one of the first shows I ever saw um, was Avicii. Ooh. 2011, right after he dropped Levels. And uh, he had all these sick mashups. Of course, he's fucking Avicii. And I was just like, damn, like I'm, I'm experiencing like layers of music. So I started as a DJ, um, just wanted to get involved and, and got a mixer. Mm. Uh, bought it for my friend Chaitan Sharma. Chaitan, if you're watching this, love you, man. Um, you have no idea the, the snowball that you started. But um, yeah, started as a DJ and loved it in college and uh, continued to pursue it in Chicago. And, um, you know, I've made it to where I'm at now, played some massive shows, festivals, and I'm so grateful for that and, and really just fallen in love with it, um, just performing. So the future of, of that um, is just bigger shows, man. I just want to continue to um, play around the world um, and, uh, you know, build my brand and, and let people know that, hey, I do all these other things, but one of my biggest parts of the brand is DJing. And um, I'd like to think that my sets are really unique because I play a lot of different sets. You know, I cut my teeth here in Chicago as an open format DJ and, and now in mostly a house DJ. So I do a lot of crossovers and uh, I'm, I'm super excited to, to one day be able to play my, my fusion style sets uh, for people all over the world, like I said. So that's awesome. Um, and very exciting for me, uh, producing. This is something that, um, I really continue to try and get better at. This is, this is most definitely not my strongest suit. I'll be the first person to tell you that it's, it's hard to do it all. And there's a lot of people out there that, um, are incredible producers and they've taught me so much. I got to give a massive shout out to my man, Isaac Palmer. Um, Isaac has been absolutely incredible. Uh, to me, I met him when he was 16 years old, and he helped me uh, learn logic and sound design and music theory. Um, and that's where I started, uh, where I am now. Um, very proud 
Uh, I haven't released a ton of music compared to some of these crazy people that I've interviewed. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to have released on labels like Bring the Kingdom. Uh, my man, King Topher, gave me and Flanino an opportunity. Uh, House of Hustle, uh, incredible house label with Max and Flynn, Maximo Quinones. Um, very proud of that. And most recently, a track with DJ Susan, um, one of my one of my absolute best friends and biggest inspirations um, on hood politics. And uh, got some got some stuff coming for later this year, too, that I'm really excited about. And in the future, um, definitely want to continue to collab. I love collabing. It's it's very fun and it's inspiring and it's energetic. So super pumped about that. Uh, expect some things later this year, too. Man, podcasting. We've talked about it a lot. I won't talk about the past and the present, but the future. Bigger guests, live events, panels, at festivals, cruises. No way. Like, wherever the fuck there's a party, I want to be interviewing people. So that's definitely the growth for the future. Um, A&R, um, that's more present. That started, you know, not too long ago uh, with the Hood Politics guys. But I want to continue to give artists an opportunity to release on a label like Hood Politics, no matter how big or small. Um, and I really want to be that person who who finds the next big thing, right? Um, I'm not looking for anything specific when I'm listening to music. I'm just kind of waiting for that feeling. Um, so it's really hard to say what the future holds for that, but I just know I'm super excited and I'm always going to be listening to every single motherfucking demo that we get. That's a fact. Unbelievable. 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 For artist management, uh, Flanino, this is my guy. This is one of my closest friends. Um, been managing him for about three years now, which is crazy. Um, got into artist management with my friend, Tony Ferrara. He, uh was managing me for a little while and we both realized that we're great at this together and we got to try and build up Flanino because we know how talented he is and how great of a brand he is and how good of a person he is. Where we're at now with him, we're very proud. Um, got to give a shout out to our man Colton Bacher, who is his videographer and my videographer as well, has really helped build this story um, for the future and uh, let's just say the rest of this year is going to be fucking sick. So I'm really excited about that and the future for him. I just want to continue to uh, mentor him and, and help him grow and, and uh, you know, be his biggest fan. And that's part of managing. Event curation. Um, man, I love throwing parties straight up. You know, uh, in the past, I started throwing parties because it was really hard to get house kicks, to be honest with you. Uh, me and Tony started throwing parties in a lavender group and we literally rented subwoofers and speakers from Guitar Center and I brought my own CDJs to a fucking taco restaurant on the upstairs. I held about 60 people and booked local lineups and had a blast doing it. Today where I'm at with that is, is lots of different things. Um, it's really cool for me to have these deep-rooted relationships with local Chicagoans um, at different venues and I know one day that will continue to grow um with venues really all across the US and, and all over the world and just putting that little spice on something that um gives you that memorable experience and, and something we used to say with the Lavender Group is we're curating mint experiences, right? Like one of a kind mint. It's fresh. And um yeah, so I'm super excited about that. But great question, Ramon, as always. I mean you're firing away right now. What do you got next for me? Is now a time for the audience to speak their voices. We are very excited today to present a bunch of questions from your fans. Unbelievable. Good questions, too. 
Very good. Some funny though. You ready to laugh? <laughs> I've been laughing this whole time, but also acting serious. Yes. You're doing great, by the way, Sherm. 200 episodes and I don't know how many times you've been interviewed, but this isn't my first time doing it. You know, it's my second. It's my second. You remember episode 100, right? It went very well. Best episode ever. Anyway, let's get into it right now. We've got a bunch of questions here. Very excited. The people want to know a lot about you. Okay, so let's get into it. Firing from the hip here. First things first. A boy with a bag wants to know, what is your Taco Bell order? A boy with a bag, my man, Sai. What up, Sai? Great question. What's my Taco Bell order? First off, back it up. Gotta give a shout out to my fiance, Maya Baker Olson. She is the queen of Taco Bell. She showed me how to order. I'm gonna hit you with this right now. Hmm? Bang. Steak quesadilla. Hmm? But, check it out. Double cheese, double meat. Let's get it popping. I'm not done yet, though. Cheesy Gordita Crunch, hold up. Dorito Loco Taco. Get at me, Ramon. What you got? Delicious. Absolutely. We both know Taco Bell. It's its own type of Mexican, you know? It's its own type. It's like Chipotle. It's not really Mexican, but it's something special. Okay. No, I, I don't eat Taco Bell. I don't. That's just disrespectful. But I respect you for doing it. Fine. Next up. Yori Music wants to know, what's the biggest thing you've learned from artists by interviewing them on Sherman the Booth? Good question. Yori. Bennett, what up, brother? Great question. Biggest thing I've learned from interviewing artists on Sherman the Booth. No matter what. Be unapologetically yourself. Always. Because your truth, your passion, your love for you and what you do will go the distance. Nothing else matters. And that's what people get on with, right? That's what people enjoy. They like to see someone who is themselves, right? That's not trying to be somebody else. And, and that's the fact that I've learned. And again, that's, that's something to go back to one of the questions that I've learned about myself. I've seen and learned from artists that have been in the game so long. And, and for the most part, they've all done it the hard way. Worked really hard, but enjoyed the process. And that's what I've learned from artists the most. Next up, fourthco.music wants to know, best way to get your first gig in Chicago? How do you do it, Sean? Great question. Best way to get gigs in Chicago, and this probably applies to most cities in the U.S., let alone the world, is to know who is actually dishing out the gigs. Good advice. Right? And don't be so forward about this shit because this is a, this is a, a, a interpersonal business, right? And think about the long game always. So if there's a club or a venue that you like going to or you've seen shows that you like or artists that are playing there, look to see who the promoter is, right? Check the bottom of the flyer, whatever it is. Check to see who the supporting acts are. Like I said earlier, do you have any mutual friends with this person? Go to their Instagram. Who are they following, right? Try and get yourself a warm intro. What I would do is I would, before a show, shoot that person a message, say, hey, I'm coming to the show, I'm super excited, you know, if you got five minutes, I just wanted to introduce myself, that's it. Don't be so fucking forward about this shit, right? That's stuff that I like to see, people that are really putting it in and are just coming out to have a good time, they're not trying to use me or trying to get a gig, so to speak, right? Eventually, your opportunity will come, and that's why I say time and time again, make sure you enjoy the process of what you're doing, because it's a short fucking high if you're going to try and get that shit too quickly, so... 
In order to get your first gig, plain and simple, identify the decision makers and make yourself known in the most positive way possible. Next up, here we go. DJ Betts, official, wants to know, how'd you get into A&R with Hood Polly? Tell us, man. We want to know. I want to know. DJ Betts, how did I get involved with A&R Hood Polly? Man. So I kind of came to the realization that um, A&R is something that I was born to do. You know, through the podcast, I've done so much discovery. Uh, there's really no layers to who I want to have on the show, right? Like I've had people with 50,000 followers on. I've had people with 500 followers on. I don't really care who you are, but if you're passionate about what you do and you're in this for the long haul, then I want to know you. I want to help you because I'm trying to do that, right? And I have a lot of people to be thankful for because I believe they've seen that in me. So with A&R specifically, right, this is a lot bigger than just reviewing demos. And I think that's something that I wish people knew as well. My friend Brett Bassick, who I had on the show, um, has been doing A&R and artist management for a long time. And I learned a lot from him when I interviewed him. Um, it's, it's so much more than that, right? Artists and repertoire is what it stands for. So you're doing discovery, right? You're doing publishing. You're doing demo reviews. You're doing brand building a little bit, right? Like who is this artist and what are they trying to do? So with Hood Poly specifically, um, I saw that there was a role that really needed to be filled. DJ Susan and Nutty and More Than Friends um, are really, you know, some of the main guys that are doing everything. But they they need more people in order to help grow. So I approached them and said, hey, I'm super passionate about, you know, finding new artists and giving them a chance to grow. And, I, you know, I'm a hard worker and I'm really organized. And, you know, you guys get a lot of demos. I don't know that process, but I'd love to help at least just listen to them, listen to them, put the best ones in front of you. So that's kind of how it started. And, um, you know, obviously done a great job of that so far. And I take it very seriously, but I have a, a ton of fun with it. So now we're at a point where we're building out a team and, um, you know, just trying to take over as, as one of the people who really helps put the best music on the label possible while also considering, you know, the artist who's going to be getting that opportunity. So it's really exciting for me. Great question. Shout out to the Hood Politics Records gang. Next up, at Matt Harter. He asked one, two, three, four. He asked five questions. Okay, I'm going to give you two of them, all right? Here we go. What is your favorite set of all time that you've been to? <laughs> favorite set that I've ever been to. Dude, I don't know, Harder. Why would you? That's such a tough question. There is one that I always do think about. Um, because I just remember being like, wow, this is so sick. And it was really in my younger days when it was a little more easy to impress. I'm not trying to say anything about this, but Diplo at Spring Awakening, like 2013, I think it was, um, was just like mind blowing to me. He, it was a true Diplo set. He played everything. It was trap. It was rap. It was house. It was techno. It was big room. And I was just like, damn can this guy control a crowd like unbelievable and all my friends are going crazy everybody around is going crazy and uh i just really always vividly remember that i will give you guys a house and techno answer though of course loco dice back to back the martinez brothers and movement 
um, was like just nuts. I mean, those are like three of the freaking coolest guys in the game and <laughs> just was like, damn it, I'll never be this good. But that was pretty sick too. Good question, Matt. My favorite set of all time, not the DJ. Ricky Martin in his prime, 2001. I was at the show. Unbelievable South Beach night, huh? Blacked out. I know it was the best night of my life, though. Unbelievable. Ricky, if you're out there, give me a call. I've got some ideas for your growth in the future. You're not done yet, my man. One more question from Matt Arthur. How did you know back in 2016 that house music was going to take over? Did you know? Dude, listen. House music is very big right now. But you got to remember, it's always been big. It just continues to grow. And I'm so glad that it has because there's never been a better time to be a, a house music fan, let alone a DJ or producer in the game. 2016, special time um, in house music, though, because it was really before the, the cusp of where we're at now. Um, I got so into it, man. You know, I, I talked about this recently. I went to Crossed and uh, heard a rolling bass line for the first time live. And it just... It just changed my perspective on, on how you can enjoy music, how you can enjoy the experience of going to a live show um, and the energy that you can get, not only from the music itself, but the, the people in the crowd. Uh, I just like wanted everybody else to experience that. So I started taking all my friends to house shows and they quickly understood the same thing. So, you know, I feel like I got lucky, honestly, Matt. I feel like I did um, to really have become a big fan um, what's now, you know, five, six years ago in the grand scheme of things, that's nothing compared to some people who have dedicated almost their entire life to house music. But, um, I, I didn't know for sure, bro. I didn't, I didn't, but I, uh, I knew that I loved it and, uh, I wanted to share that with everybody else. So it's the best I can give you, man. I didn't know for sure though, but I sure am glad we're here now. Next up, Roxy EE. I think I said that right. Is music your full-time job now? And if it's not, is it hard to balance professional and music life? Dallas. What up, Roxy? No, music is not my full-time job. I have been working in logistics uh, since July 2015. It is a job that is 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. every single day. And for those that work in logistics, knows that it is really 24-7. Freight never stops moving. And... Um, yeah, it's tough. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm so grateful that I work at such a great company. It's the only company that I've ever worked at professionally. And uh, I'm blessed to have so many peers that support me there as well, from, from my coworkers on, on my same level up to upper management. I DJ all our uh, holiday parties and other events and stuff too. And a lot of uh, my coworkers and friends uh, from the company come out to the shows. So um, it's really tough. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, the job is, is demanding and um, it's pretty high intensity, but uh, it's helped me out a lot, actually, with the podcast and just relationships in general. I work as a sales rep, so you know I'm building new business, I'm landing new customers, I'm managing um, relationships internally and externally, and I'm, I'm having big meetings and, and just being a businessman. Jesus, I mean, it's insane. Trust me, I get it, but um, it is really important to me to have that steady paycheck. Um, because it's given me the ability to have uh, upgrades to my podcast studio like this and uh, not have to worry too much about getting paid for gigs on time and all the little things that really become a big deal 
when you don't have that consistency. And I've talked to a lot of people that are on both sides of this conversation. Uh, but to me personally, it's always been important for me to have that consistency. Oh, I bet that this. I don't really have an answer for you on how I do it. Um, I just have a routine and I try and stick to it. And I uh, always, always try and enjoy the process of what I'm doing. So yeah, it's the best I can give you, Roxy. It's it's not easy, but it is fun. Okay, shut up. Another fan with a lot of questions here. Ms. Weez. We've got a lot here, okay? I got nine questions, I think. I'm going to give you three or four. I'm just going to go rapid fire. You ready? Here we go. What inspires you, Sherm? Ms. Weez, what up? Uh, I am inspired by so much. I am inspired by the people of Chicago uh, and the scene here. Uh, I really mean it when I say that I have so much to be thankful for because this city and the people have given me so much. And uh, that always continues to drive me day in, day out because, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to build up a following here and people that want to see me DJ and people that want to hear my podcast and, and people that want to spend time with me. And I'm forever grateful for that. So I'm definitely inspired by the people in this city and the city itself. I'm also very inspired by some of my peers as artists. Um, Fonino, DJ Susan, um, and, and so many people that I've had on the podcast, uh, they are just go-getters, but they do it with a smile on their face and they work so hard. And, uh, you know, I, I am a little competitive in the sense where, um, if I see someone working hard, I feel like, well, if they can do it, then I can do it too. Um, but what I've realized is it's not competitiveness. It's really a collaboration that I share with a lot of these people that I'm so inspired by because I, I've helped them, they've helped me, and it's a shared process. So um, I would say, honestly, yeah, the city of Chicago, the people in it, and my closest peers are the ones that inspire me, and of course, my friends and family. Who's an artist you want to work with? An artist I want to work with? There's lots of layers to this question. Let's go producer. I'd love to make a track with Sid. Back to back. I'd love to go back to back with John Summit. Uh, if it's have someone on the podcast, probably Pasquale Rotea. Yeah, those are good answers. What's the longest you've ever been on stage for? Dude, had some longer sets, plenty of five-hour sets, but the longest I've ever been on stage was probably last summer with DJ Susan, Chris Diaz, Flanino, Jay Shore Drive. Uh, we played like a eight and a half hour set at number nine. We started at 8 p.m. I think we went till 5 a.m. I It was wild. It was wild. I ran through the whole entire Hood Poly discography. We had nothing left. <laughs> and last one, where was your first show? First show? Oh my gosh. It was at Dunkirk in Bloomington, Illinois, and I opened for Milk and Cookies from 9 p.m. to 9.45, and I had every single song planned out, and I still think it was one of the best sets of my life. Okay, next up, good question here. Align Music wants to know, who is your favorite Chicago producer, and why is it Align? <laughs> good one, good setup, Align, I like that. Who is your favorite Chicago producer, Jim? Let's see. Favorite Chicago producers? First off, James, come on. Good question. You know you're one of them. Align is so talented. One of my favorites in the game. You know, a lot of a lot of producers here are blown up and and, and blown up to the sense that they, they need to move to grow. And uh, that's amazing. So I guess I'll just answer the question. People I know still live in Chicago. Absolutely. Flanino. 
Um, without a doubt, Maximo Quinones, Jake Short Drive. I love Down Low as well. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. I also love Apollo XO, um, Christos, Sansis. Um, my God, I mean, there's so many, so many talented producers here. This is the home of house music, baby. And, and the barrier to entry has become so low. So there's a lot of youngsters out there that are getting into the game. But those are some of my favorites for sure. And I'm always dropping their music too because they're that special. Next up, Kyle Lutz 4 just says AC Slater. No question. Statement. It just says AC Slater? <laughs> That's a statement. Yes. Night base for life. Put your hands up. Put your hands up in the air. Next up, Alex Kislov. What episode was the most influential? Alex Kislov. Much love. Great question. What's the most influential episode? There's so many. There's so many. I think all have all of them have their own influence in one way or another. Um, we've talked a lot about mental health on the show, which is amazing. And it's a very important topic in dance music, let alone in general. Um, but when you say the word influential, Danny Deal immediately comes up. Mm. She's such an important pillar um, of influence, not only in Chicago, but really in, in the whole music community. And she's done so many great things to raise awareness for LGBTQ and, and, and women's rights and, and really giving people opportunities that normally don't get one and shedding a light on, um, you know, the negative, the negative aspects of the industry. And I think that's so important to talk about. So I would definitely say the Danny Deal episode and the fact that we did that live in Chicago in front of a, a live audience was uh, all the more reason that it was influential. So mad respect to Danny Deal. Okay, Sharm, next up. Looks to be another big fan of the podcast at Chris Diaz Music. He has four questions. Maybe let's give you them all. Out of all the people you've interviewed, who's had the biggest nose? The biggest nose? Is it Chris? It's obviously Chris Diaz. How many Chicago handshakes have you taken in your entire life? How many? How many Chicago handshakes have I taken in my... Oh my God, I don't know. Too many. Probably a hundred. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. A hundred. What can't Sherm do? Chris, what can I do? I'll tell you what I can't do. Sleep in. I can't sleep in. I want to so badly. I have to be out really, really late to sleep in. But because I've had the day job for all these years, I have this internal clock that gets me up at 7, 8 a.m. And yeah, it kind of sucks. But that's what I can't do. Sleep in, unfortunately. And last one. What is Sherm's five-year plan? Five years from now, my man. Where do you see yourself? Damn it, Chris, you and your damn questions. Uh, love you, though, brother. Five-year plan? Man, you know, in five years, I'm going to have a very happy life. Uh, two golden retrievers, ideally. You're going to be living with my fantastic future wife, Maya. Um, I will still be living in Chicago. Um, not in the burbs. Chicago, for sure. Uh, I hope to have a really, really thriving music career where all my income is coming from music. Um, I hope to be... Uh, working at a Hood Politics Records office, an actual office, and uh, I hope that I'm happy. That's the plan. It's the plan. It's all hopes, though. You know, we we try and do what we can in life. So that's that's what I'm looking for, though. Okay, before we move on, I do want to say, vision wise, 
I can see pretty well. I can see pretty well out of these sunglasses, okay? Pretty good. Let us know in the comments if you like these, because I like them. Anyway, next up, Max Wagner wants to know, when can we go back to back? You and Max, when? Max. I'd love to go back to back with him. He's been doing great. This is a, another DJ who's worked really, really hard to try and make a name for himself and has gotten great gigs, has asked a lot of questions, and I love that, man. And I hear you a great DJ, and I look forward to going back to back with you one day soon. Next up, Ben Happ. When will the Indianapolis Colts pick up Matt Ryan? Didn't that just happen? I'm not much of a sports guy, but I think I saw something. Ben Happ, that's my brother. Shit. You asked that question before they actually picked him up, so that's pretty impressive. Glad they did, though. Any Colts fans out there? Please, God, can we get past the first round of the playoffs, let alone make the playoffs? I'm just dying for that. It is so tough to be an Indiana sports fan. It's like we're good enough always to either just make the playoffs or lose the last game and not get in it. I'd almost rather be fucking bad to get some sick draft picks here and there, but nope. So I'm a realistic Colts fan, I call it. Hoping Matt Ryan can bring us somewhere that finally gets us to half the level of Peyton Manning. Cheers. Next up, Chanla. Favorite festival and year? Good question. Tell us. Chanla. Mm. Favorite festival and year? I don't know. So many great festivals. Been to a lot of amazing ones here in Chicago. Lollapalooza always, of course, is like a very like wild festival because it's like in your backyard here. But um, the, I got to say, honestly, movement. The first time I went, I think it was um, it would have been 2017. It was so sick, like just like pounding techno for like 72 hours. It just made you crave it. It was kind of weird. It was kind of weird. Like, oh, right, there you like just it's kick after kick. But uh, it, it was it was really eye opening to me because city of Detroit is so much history. Went to all the after parties, the people there, the music, the DJs, the sets they played. It was my favorite because it just was like so fucking raw. Love movement. And she also wants to know what is your dream venue to play at, Sherm? Which venue? All across the world. My dream venue to play at? Oh man. So I'm a bit of a venue geek over the years, um, you know, just like seeing different venues that big DJs play at and, and how historical they are. Um, I would say probably in the U.S., let's just keep it that, I'd say the Brooklyn Mirage. Yeah, that'd be so dope. I got a lot of New York roots and um, I've always wanted to play there. It's just like a, a wild place and it's obviously like so fucking sick. So I would say the Brooklyn Mirage. I hope that happens one day. Next up, at Chinese Boy. I don't know how you say zero. Chinese Boy Zero Y. Perfect. When are you going to hire me as your tour manager? You need a tour manager, Jim? You don't want to hire Ramon? You don't want to hire Ramon. Sorry, Ramon, I'm, I'm not going to hire you for anything other than stopping by every 100 episodes. Okay, fine. that's fine. I understand. Um, I would say Ray R. is my tour manager when I'm touring. How about that? Next up, Studebaker 1. Is that your dad? What do you feel you do better in podcast 1 to 200 versus 1 to 100? 
What won't you repeat? Good questions to the baker. That is my dad. He listens to every episode. Appreciate you, dad. Love you. Man, I've learned a lot over the course of Sherman the Booth, obviously, with the process itself. What won't I repeat? Um, I will always make sure that I'm prepared. It's not that I wasn't prepared um, in the beginning, but it's really, really important to me that I am on my game and I'm ready to go and I'm mentally there and I have my questions ready and I've done my full-fledged research and I go into that interview thinking I've given it my best and I'm ready for this. And um, yeah, I think in the beginning when you start anything, you know, not even to your own fault, you kind of half-ass it. So I'll never half-ass it again for sure. I give it my 100%. Next up, Sherman Mom 1. Is that your mom? How have you had personal success grown between SITB 0 to 100 and 1 to 200? I think they were sitting next to each other when they were asking the questions. This seems a little bit similar, but I do think it's still possible to answer. Do your best. Yes, that is my mom. And I'm sure they were sitting next to each other. Um, personal success. Good question, mom. Love you too. Um, personal success. I think on top of my last answer, when the interview ends and, you know, I get a message right after or whatever it is, you know, a really good experience from that guest after I've released the episode, that's when I personally feel like I've succeeded, when I've given them a great experience. I say it almost every episode of the podcast. It doesn't really matter to me how many people listen. What matters to me is, was this a enjoyable and fun and informative conversation did I learn something and did this person have fun? So that's always personally a successful moment for me when I do get that sort of feedback. So that would be my answer. Okay, next up, I like this question. Lauren Book, who is your dream collab? Maybe Diplo, Fisher, Chummy? Tell us. Dream collab, Lauren? Diplo, Fisher, Chummy, good examples. Man. You know, I mentioned Diplo earlier, and he's just killing it right now with his label Higher Ground and all the music he's been releasing and his new album, too. Um, I'm so inspired by him. Uh, I would say Diplo, for sure. I mean, I don't know what I'd bring to the table in the, in the studio, but I would certainly do my best. <laughs> okay, I like this one from the superstar DJ Susan at Susie's house. Plans for Hood Polly. Hmm. What are your plans for Hood Politics, Sean? DJ Susan. Plans for Hood Poly. Next question. Oh, man. We've got some big plans. We're taking over, but as we take over, we're spreading love, positive influence. We are redefining dance music culture as what we believe it should be. Uh, just a shared experience amongst all. And that's what the politics is all about. I, I'm so inspired by what they've built and the plans for the future are just to continue to bring people in to our circle and let them know this is just one big family. So that's what we're trying to do, man. There's, there's really nothing too specific about it. Um, we just want to spread love and good energy and, and let everyone know that if you are part of the hood politics family, if you're a fan, if you've released on the label, whatever it might be, you are welcome and you are loved. And that's what it's all about. Okay, next up, Alex Wolf, the DJ. 
How can smarter DJs begin to enter the festival circuit? Festival, Sean. And not just the shows, not just the bars, not just the venues. The big lights, the big stage. How do you do it? Alex Wolf, good question. And this is a question I get a lot. And this is something that I'm still trying to figure out myself for the most part. You know, I'm lucky enough to have played um, some festivals, um, North Coast being the biggest. And how that happened was just earning my stripes. And if you live in a big city, there's likely a very big festival that you can play at. So like I said about getting your first gigs, identify the decision makers, make yourself known in a positive way, see how you can help them. And above all, have a great brand and, and make something unique about yourself. If you don't make music, are you a great DJ? And why are you a great DJ? And how have you put yourself out there? It's so important to be known um, in the world and in your local scene, especially too, uh, on social media, on the internet, whatever it is. So I'd recommend that you make it impossible for people not to know you. And that's usually how you get yourself booked at festivals because a festival is run by a company that's running a business and a business needs to make money. And how do they make money? They sell tickets to their festival. So why are they going to book you? Because you're going to sell tickets. It's pretty simple when it comes down to brass tacks like that, but that would be my recommendation, my man. Okay, next up, Saximilian. Some good questions here. Let's give them all to you, huh? When does it make sense to bring on a manager if you're an artist? Good question. Saximilian, what's up, brother? When does it make sense to bring on a manager if you're an artist? So there's one thing that I've learned, and my cousin has actually been in the music industry for a long time, and he was a manager. And uh, he told me a manager is defined by having something to manage, right? If I'm an artist and I want a manager because I think it'll help me get gigs, that's not a manager. You need to be doing that yourself. And also that's an agent. A manager manages a tour. A manager manages an album release. A manager manages your social media. You have to be the one creating those opportunities. Manager needs to make money too, right? They're not just going to do this for no reason. There are certainly people out there that, um, you know, might want to help you out and things like that. But are they an official manager? Maybe not. So when you know you need a manager is when you need help managing something, right? Like managing the podcast, managing um, your releases of any sort, right? So that would be my answer to you is when you feel like there's something that you want to focus on but don't have the ability to manage it anymore. So that'd be the most simple answer for you. This one, A&R Hood Politics related. How do you decide what tracks to sign on Hood Poly? Any key criteria? There's a lot. There's a lot. I'll be honest with you. And I probably should make a separate video about this and I'm going to. I'm looking for quality production. I'm looking for a little bit of personality in your email. Um... I'm looking for a unique track, something that's not like the rest. Um, and I want it to be obvious that you care about releasing on Hood Politics. You know, if it's a little thing like the cover art is our logo. Uh, like I said, if it's a little bit of an email talking about why you want to release on Hood Politics, that matters to me. And I know that matters to the rest of the team too. So. When it comes to the actual overarching aspect of your track, I want it to be impactful to you if you're going to release on our label because, you know, we're the platform, right? We're giving you a lot. So not only do we want good music that you're giving us, but we want 
really you to care about releasing on our label and not us just be a vehicle for that. So that'd be, that'd be my best piece of advice for any people out there that are trying to release on labels. And that goes into a lot of my other answers too. develop those relationships with the people, you know, that are making those decisions and uh, shit, make a good track. Last one. And I want to know this too. Who does your beard lineup? Who does it? You always looking so good. I know it's always looking so good, right? My man, Jose Luis at Van Buren Gentleman's Salon. And ladies and gentlemen, could I sell this all day long? This is the fact. I've been going to Jose Luis for six years now, every two weeks. This guy knows me better than 99% of people. <laughs> he is amazing. Um, I don't know where I'd be in life without him, honestly. Um, and I really mean that. He's He's just... Help me with my self-confidence and help me with my beard and my hair and my fucking neck hair and shit. Ridiculous. But uh, Jose Luis is the man. And um, yeah, for sure. I, I would say you got to take care of your look if you want to feel good. He always says, you look good, you feel good. And that's fact. Well, I'm going to need to go to Jose Luis then. Next one. From a local superstar, Zoe Glass. How can we elevate local DJs? From our scene to the national stage. Love that question. Zooey Glass, Seamus, one of my favorite locals here, and that's such a great question. How do we elevate our local scene here to get them on the national stage? And it's, it's sort of a, an answer that I had earlier. The city of Chicago has given me so much, and um, I know a lot of DJs here that kind of take it for granted. Um, you know, this is the home of house music. This is one of the biggest cities in the world. And when you tell people you're a Chicago DJ or a Chicago house DJ that are not from Chicago, they are astounded, right? So it's so important that you build up your following here and really connect with your fans on a local level because they are the ones who are going to get you to that national level. And in turn, you're going to get the respect from other locals here that have been doing it longer than you, that's a guarantee, right? Because this isn't easy. And a lot of people have been working for years to try and get opportunities, not only on the local level, but on the national level. And Seamus is someone that I have so much respect for. He's thrown his own events. He's built up his following here and he has so much demand for him to play. That's how he's gonna get to the national level. So I answered that question for him specifically. He knows I'm his biggest fan, but that goes that goes really across the city in most cities, I would say. If you want to get from a local to a national level, you got to be the man in your city. And how do you be the man in your city? You've earned the respect of your peers and the fans. So, you know, I, I hope to one day be one of the lucky people who have worked hard enough to get on a national level. But right now I'm enjoying the shit out of making my mark in Chicago. So that would be my answer for you, my friend. I'm going back to these... I like I like these sunglasses a little bit more. Not a hundred percent, but you know, ninety-two percent. So let me know in the comments if you like these too. Here we go. Next up, local singles official. What gave you the idea to start Sherm in the booth? What idea? Local singles, my boys. What gave me the idea to start Sherm in the booth? Kind of answered it earlier, but it was really hard for me to uh, make myself known in the industry. And the best way to get to know people is not at the club, believe it or not, it's one-on-one -on -one conversations. So I started the podcast so that I can meet people locally in the industry, uh, not to get gigs, not to get anything, but really just to understand 
um, you know, the process and, and learn more about why people are involved in the industry. Cause I was brand new, right? Like people I was, was interviewing have been in the industry for five years, if not more, why are they still in it? What do they like about it? What do they not like about it? So I wanted to learn. And that's why I started sharing the booth. They have a follow-up question. Those local singles guys, uh, both rip mustaches. Yeah. Uh, I'll answer that one. Yeah. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Next up, longtime fan, DYLE21. This is a good one. If you have a case of beer and a fifth of alcohol, Jesus Christ, you're getting fucked up. What DJ could you see for 10 hours straight? First off, no way you could party for 10 hours straight with that much alcohol. But we want to know, is there one that you could? Dean, as long as you're there with me doing this, bro. Uh, 10 hours set. Chris Lake. Yeah, Chris Lake for sure. Seen him many times in different types of venues. He always rips it. He could do a 10-hour set that would go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And I would be entertained the whole time. And I'd be having fun, too. So, fuck it. I'll do it. Hey, let's do that. Is that possible, Dean? <laughs> okay. This one's good, too. John Alfaro. How the fuck do you got a day job, do hood poly, make music, and Sherman the booth? Do you sleep? Do you sleep, Sherm? <laughs> good question, John. I do sleep. I get my sleep. Like I said, I can't sleep in though. Um, I just do it, man. Like I said, I have a routine. I go to my day job every day. I have my plans for after work where I really actually get a lot of my stress relief is I cook dinner, put my phone away. Um, takes me about 30 minutes to an hour and that's really my break. Um, you know, I don't watch a ton of TV shows. I love TV and, and movies and stuff, but I usually do that when I'm, I'm with my fiance and um, have some free time, but you got to get in a routine, man. Anybody, anybody can do this. Honestly, you just have to be super committed and you have to follow through and you have to know that um, there's going to be some times when you don't want to do it, but you have to treat it like a job. So, you know, push through and always get your sleep too, bro. Come on. You got to get your sleep. People that don't, <clears throat> you're crazy. The West Burger up next. Heard this guy's a good guy. How are we going to get this thing to the next galaxy? I have, what is that in reference to? What the hell? How are we going to get to what to the next galaxy? <laughs> Wes is a good guy. Love you, brother. Um, geez, how are we going to get to the next galaxy? He's talking about Hood Polly. And Wes, we're going to get this to the next galaxy by building an incredible team. And again, just want to mention what Hood Politics is trying to do. And that's making massive impact on the dance music industry, a positive impact at that. Um, so we're going to get this thing in the next galaxy by continuing to build this team and, and hopefully building a dedicated following that grows with us because we're so committed to the culture and that's what it's all about to us. So we just got to keep building this team, brother. I'm glad I'm with you, though. Next question. Like this one, too. Underrated venues and bars for house music in Chicago. Where? Underrated. Not the ones we all know. Underrated venues for house music in Chicago. I'll give you two good ones. One, Lay Nocturne. Shout out to my guy, Francois. Absolutely incredible. Um, it's, it's in Uptown right near the Aragon Ballroom. Fantastic place. 
definitely one of the best sound systems in Chicago. And in my opinion, the best DJ booth in Chicago. Unbelievable. And uh, played a lot of events there. Um, his, his venue was so instrumental during the pandemic as well. Had live streams there that donated to charities of all kinds. Um, always was live streaming. And he takes this very seriously. And he's a guy who deserves a lot of credit, too. Uh, I will also say downstairs a rock bar gets fucking popping, popping in River North. I played some wild shows there and it always seems to be so busy and you can play house unapologetically. So that'd be two of my favorite places. Here we go. Next up, Ali Sharp, wild animal. I party with this guy. He is fun as hell. Yes, my man. Here we go. He just wanted to say nothing. Just wanted to say hi. And you're a legend. What a nice guy. <laughs> Al, just wanted to say I'm a nice guy. Man, I got to give this guy a shout out. And this is one of those people that makes me love Chicago. Al came here. Um, I think he just moved here actually in uh, last summer. Um, and has just come in and, and been welcomed by the house community for all the best reasons. Because he's truly a person that comes from just a love of community and music and Man, this guy loves to party, too, and he's so much fun. So, dude, mad love, brother. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that so much. I'm so glad that we've met and become good friends. And Shurm, the last question we have here from your audience. Ace Bandit wants to know, what was your first show? And I know you answered this already. How about this? What was your first big show where you were like, okay, things are going in the right direction? Ace Bandit, good question. I did answer it a little bit earlier, but there's no way for you to have known that. And I appreciate that. Uh, like I said, it was in college at Dunkirk. But, Ramon, good little add-on there. I will say for sure, immediately came to mind, and this is the right answer. Concord Music Hall, October 2019. I opened for Walker and Royce and Shiba San at Concord Music Hall. I agree. And... It was sick. I played an hour and a half set. Um, it was sold out. The crowd was wild. I got to play True House. I didn't have to like, um, you know, like worry about what to play. I got to just do my thing and I loved it. And I remember just being like, this is a great venue to play at. This is where you want to play. And it was kind of like a boiler room style too. So I was like up on this platform in the middle. So that was so sick. It was like very, very meaningful to me. It was like a house DJ that's been trying to play shows like that for years. So, man, you just kind of wait your turn sometimes and opportunities come. I found out about that gig Wednesday and it played on Friday. So <laughs> that's how it goes. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to a close on episode 200. And I got to say, this is the biggest guest yet. We've had massive, massive guests on Sherman and the Booth. But there is none bigger than the man himself, Sherm. And I know there's a lot of people out there that agree with me. A lot of people wanted to know your story. Wanted to know all these things today that we found about you. But what can we expect from you the rest of this year and moving forward? Because we want to know. What's next for me? Man. I don't know. I'm just going to continue to do my thing and enjoy it along the way. I'm doing so many different things right now. And um, shit, we'll see which one ends up working out the best. But I just know I'm having a blast doing it. Uh, Hood Polly, 
DJing, producing, Sherman the Booth, event curation. I don't see why they can't all continue to, to move forward at the same pace. And I just know that I'm really excited for the future. Um, personal life is just better than ever getting married later this year. And I'm so grateful for that to have a partner like Maya and have a such a supportive family and, and, and close group of friends. So just feeling more grateful every single day, honestly, Ramon. So that's the plan for the future is just continue to appreciate life and enjoy every moment, my man. Unbelievable. This man, his story, his passion, his drive. He will go the distance and Ramon will be there to shake his hand on the last day of his life because Ramon lives forever. I'm not trying to steal his spotlight. I know that was, it was a little too much. This is about Sherm, not Ramon. Sherm, any last words? Ramon, thank you so much for being a great interviewer as always. I have so many questions about who you are and why we look alike and why we sound alike and, and where are you from, but that's besides the point. To all of my fans, followers, and friends out there, I love you so much. I cannot begin to tell you how much your support means to me. When I started this podcast uh, on my first episode, um, you know, I did write it out as episode 001 because I knew that I was going to be into the hundreds with this shit. And I have no plans on stopping. But the only reason I haven't stopped is because of the undying support from few to many. And there's just no words to describe how thankful and, and grateful I am. So I just want to take this moment to say for everybody that supported me, big and small, it means so much. And I'm going to continue to do what I aim to do when I started this, and that's to make a positive impact. And that's always going to be my message. So I want everybody to know that my door is always open. I'm here to help anybody grow, ask questions, um, learn, whatever it is, because I wouldn't be where I am right now without the others that have helped me too. So to Sherman the Booth, man, fuck, 200 episodes. We did it. This is amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Much love. And let's keep going. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you all.